So, Brad, after a lot of scientific study, after a lot of testing and and, yes. and field testing and, and literature, I've figured out the exact two words that describe my ideal vacation. If, if I could sum up all the vacations I ever want to take, I figured out the exact two words that sum up what that vacation entails. Are you ready to hear what yeah. my two words are? What are they? Lazy River. Oh, Lazy me, River. That to me is, and I don't want you to think like, oh, that part of the Yellowstone where you can canoe gently. No, I'm talking about me in an inner tube with a margarita in my hand, going in little loops around some like hotel type thing. That to me is like the most ideal vacation of like, my yeah. wife always wants to go to a city and see plays. She always wants to go to New York or London. Let's go see plays. Let's go to museums. I'm always yeah. like, you know what sounds great? Not thinking for three days. That sounds great. Yes. That yes. to me sounds, and so I was curious, what is your ideal vacation? Oh. Like I know a family obviously would come first, but if you had to be by yourself, what would the ideal vacation by yourself be? I got, I've got, I've got the, uh, I, I know what my answer is, and it really does stretch the, the term of what ideal is. In, okay. uh, when we were growing up, uh, friends of my grandparents had a cottage, a little fishing cottage on Floyd Lake, which is just outside of uh, East Tawas, I believe, up in Michigan. And every now and again, we'd be lucky enough to get the keys to the cabin and we'd go up and have family vacations there for a week at a time. And, and it, it is literally my ideal place. I can't, I've never been able to go back and see it. I don't even know that we could find it. Like I've asked my mom, she doesn't know, you know she doesn't, doesn't have whatever book she had the address written down in, you know, back in the 1970s when this occurred. Uh, but uh, it, it is literally my idea. I can picture it in my mind. I've got one or two fuzzy photographs of it from my childhood. Uh, but it is literally my ideal place. It, it had a rowboat. It had all the fishing gear out there. It was a fishing uh, cottage, uh, a very small cottage. And uh, I, I've at the last two trips up to Michigan, we talked, my brother and I talked about just driving over there. It would take a couple hours to drive over and just see if we could find it. Just just by like Google Maps, because I yeah. remember the shape of the river or the or the lake where it was. There was a little like inlet by I it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I so I think I could find I could narrow it down on Google Maps. I can't imagine that it was that it's still there. I'm sure they've knocked it down because I'm sure real estate is has gone up and they've knocked it down a long time ago to put up a nicer place. But uh like if if I could go back in time and spend a couple weeks at that cabin, I, it would literally be the best thing in the world. And, and I still remember in the TV, it had a TV room, like a small, small living room with a TV in the corner, and, and it vexed us kids so much. The TV did not work; didn't even <laughs> pretend to work. You it, you couldn't even get a spark if you plugged it in. That was, it, but it was there. And, it, it, and, and in the corner, nobody had ever, you know, bothered to take it out. Uh, so the entire time you were there, if you were me, you were just reading and drawing. And you'd go out with Grandpa and fish in the morning uh, and come back and, you know, oh. he would clean what you, you know, sunfish, bluegill. He'd clean what you uh, had, had, had caught and he'd make it for lunch. And I'm telling you. I swear to God, if I could go back to that cottage and spend a couple weeks, 
I would take five years off the end of my life. <laughs> I wouldn't need them anyway. Uh, it, it, it's, it's literally uh, like this insanely happy place from my childhood that I'm sure doesn't exist anymore. But when you say ideal vacation, it's spending a couple weeks up there in the fishing cottage. Well, holy hell, now as your your friend, I want this for you. How ah. could we... How could we crowdsource finding this cottage on Floyd Lake in what part of Michigan? What uh, county? West, West Tower, East Tawas, Michigan. East I'm, I'm telling you, though, it, it, it probably does not exist. I'm, I'm almost certain by this time somebody has knocked it down. It was not a fancy place. You know, right, they, right. But but even if you could find the land again, you could yes. maybe pull an RV up there or something. That would be kind of nice, you know. <laughs> just just go up and, and park in somebody's back lawn and, and say, hey, listen, we're, we're, we're here. We're here for a week. Get used no, to it. I'll tell you why I want this for you, because, OK, this is more story than we I, I meant for this. But uh, I, when, when I was a kid, my favorite, 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 favorite vacation was to go to, again, a tiny little lake cottage in Cape yeah. Cod that my grandparents rest their soul had and um it was tiny it had nothing to it but the day was like you spent drawing reading comics yes. and then yes. swimming a lot of swimming i remember that like they had one of those um floating docks if you know what i mean that it was like yep, a 10 yep, by yep. 10 piece of wood that you would have yeah. to swim past the seaweed to get because the, the, the lake connected <laughs> to the ocean and yeah. my 10 year old self the whole time i'm swimming going gross 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 and then you would get to the dock um but uh, I, I had such magical memories of that place that I went down the rat hole and found it again on Google Maps really? and on satellite stuff. And what's really weird, Brad, is there's such a spark of joy when you find a childhood place like that because now with Google Maps, you can literally drop the little guy and you're on yep. street level again. And you're like, this is the weirdest thing. I'm right back where I was 30 years ago. Um, and looking and, at it, yeah. And looking at it, yeah. So. Uh, I want to find this for you. So I, after this show, I want to get more information. We can put it maybe in this post. And we're going to yeah. crowdsource this for Brad. Like, what color was it? What were, Maybe oh. we can... Oh, you know what? Can we do public records and find the owner maybe back in the day? What was his name? He owned an ice cream truck. Oh, I, oh Les and Letha was... Well, I forget their last name, but his name was Lester. And she was Letha. And uh, Wait, their Letha? last name will come to L -E -T -H -A? me. L-E-T-H-A? L-E-T-H-A? Yeah. She, was, she was a hairdresser in Marlette, Michigan. She had a she ran a hairdressing place out of her brick house uh, uh, right up there in Marlette. Uh, I got to tell you, you had me at Lester and Letha. That's the most Lester Midwest thing. Lester and Letha. Oh, yeah. gosh. Oh. Yeah, we have it, a, oh. I mean, it's... I, I, I can I can literally see that it, it was a fishing cottage. So they had all these tchotchkes on the wall, all sure. these things that were like carved into wood. You know, the best day, uh, or your worst day fishing is better than your best day in the office, smiley face. Yeah. You know, and all of this stuff, just, just crap on the walls <laughs> and pictures of other families and their families and members of our families out there when they were young fishing. Oh my God. I mean, if I keep talking about it, I'm going to tear up. <laughs> it's, it was an amazing, amazing. And I would go out there literally with, with a shopping bag full of mad magazines and cracked magazines, yeah. Yeah. And old comics and my sketchbook. And, and we would just uh, spend hours just out, out there uh, underneath the shade trees doing 
nothing. Uh. And, 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 and by the way, being typical kids, complaining that the TV didn't work. But I'm telling you, the fact that TV didn't work was the best part of the whole thing. You couldn't have told me at the time. But looking back now, it was the best part. The TV didn't work. You were cut. I don't even think there was a phone in that place. If there was a phone, I don't remember it ever ringing. Uh, you just you just went there. You brought all your groceries in, and uh, that was where you were going to be for the next week. And it was, oh, oh, man, it was the best place on the planet Earth. You are lit up like a Christmas tree. I want this yeah. for you now. This is delightful. <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to do some Googling. We're going to find this place for you, Brad. Oh, and on I'd that happy to. note of Brad's childhood that we will find again, <laughs> I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics. And making a living from comics, I'm Brad Geiger, the author of the Webcomics Handbook and the creator of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave! Let's go fishing. I mean, let's I mean, let's fishing. stop comics. <laughs> let's go fishing, my friend. I will say this. This show is going out live to our Patreon pals over at the Live Gab group. That's at patreon.com slash comic lab. You can watch the show streaming live every week. Uh, and if, if perhaps you miss it for life, love or learning, you can watch the archived uh, show of the stream there. Um, but that's over at patreon.com slash comic lab. And Brad, we've got a welcome back, a sponsor for today's show, don't we? Yeah. We're super thrilled to welcome back our sponsor, uh, DreamHost, who has, I've told you before, I've done so much business with DreamHost that I've been together with them for over 10 years. In fact, I went back and, and finally did find uh, the documentation uh, back when I first uh, turned uh, to a 100% uh, cartoonist. In other words, I left my day job when I became a 100% independent uh, comics artist. I turned to DreamHost for my hosting, and I've, I've never had a bad experience with them. In, in so many years, I've got, oh, a half dozen websites that I set up there. And so I can't, I, it's one of those sponsors, Dave, that you feel good about, uh, like yeah. we have with every sponsor we've had here on the show. You feel really good about them because I've had firsthand experience. What I want you to do, and this has been a theme of the show uh, since its inception, uh, we encourage you to own and control your own comic. And that means having a website. And DreamHost is, I'm, I'm going to just say it right out, DreamHost is the way to do it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you go to dreamhost.com slash comic lab, you'll see that they've set up, uh, if, you, if you're thinking about doing this, they've set up some great ways for you to get your feet wet and start uh, uh, building this website right now while the pressure's off, right? You can, you can do this in pieces. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's got everything you need. It's got a one click instant WordPress install, zero risk, 97 day money back guarantee. A lot of these places, Dave, that give you 90 days money back guarantee, not, not with DreamHost, 97 days. That's, that's, that's three months <laughs> and another week. <laughs> and all the, they've got a lot of plans for you to take a look at, but it's going to start at $2 and 59 cents a month. Now, listen, everybody's making their new year's resolutions right now, right? Everybody's thinking about the new year thinking about where they're going, what this new year is going to bring. Mm -hmm. uh, if, 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 if really taking charge of your career is one of your new year's resolutions. I want you to head over to dreamhost.com slash comic lab and, and start making that resolution come true for $2 and, and 59 cents a month. 
you'd be you'd be crazy not to. It's the best way to start building this thing and getting in control of your own career. And honestly, the highest praise that Brad Geiger can give a thing is to say that he himself uses it. And before long before any sponsorship was ever in the works, Brad has has loved and used and praised uh, DreamHost for what they've been able to do for his career. So I will yeah. just echo that, that that uh, this is a, a sponsor that that uh, we can wholeheartedly get behind because it has impacted uh, Comic Lab Comics themselves. So uh, a shout out to DreamHost for the sponsoring this week. And Brad, I'm going to turn us over to patreon.com slash comic lab because I've got our first question coming in from Germany yeah. from Redan, who writes, hi, got a fun one for my favorite comic cousins. How do you stop a creative itch? I've got Ooh. a good comic going now for three years, focusing on building up my viewing, a Patreon, and it's going great. I have my plans for the story and how to proceed going forward with a lot of help from you two. But there's this other project my thoughts keep turning to that would be awesome, but that I have neither time nor money for as I'm only the writer and I pay an artist and that needs to be shelved. But it would be good, wouldn't it? And in the wee hours of the <laughs> night, I plot more of it. And so how do I tell my brain to leave it be for now and to return to it in a year or four? Love the show. Keep up the good stuff that you're doing. And thanks for helping build my webcomic. Brad, what do we got for Redan? This is a this is a question we have never had before. More yeah. often than not, we get the question, how do I spark my creativity? How do I restart right. my creativity? How do I keep it going? This is one like, hey, how do I tell my brain to stop being? creative not now is yeah. not the time this is a fun angle that we've never had before i'm going to tell you uh there's a number of things that you can do but the first thing i'm going to suggest is uh to not stop it and not 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 stop it necessarily uh here's what i would suggest get yourself a second a second sketchbook like you probably if you're like most of us uh, write things down in a sketchbook as you're out and about and and you might ideate on that book or just write down ideas and, and storylines and so forth. Maybe maybe do some actual sketching while you're in there. Uh, but I would get a second book uh, or if you do this electronically, you can start a second file. Uh, but what I want you to do is to not shut that down. I want you to I want you to empty all of that stuff out into a second book. So that it's always there. It's not getting in the way of your current stuff, but it's always there. And, and it's, you're not losing it. You're not going to forget about it. It's, it's there. And, and it's even there if you decide that you, uh, at some point, like in a year, I'm, I'm, I'm really done with this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to do something else. Uh, you've got it all there and ready to start because here's, what's going to happen. Ideas beget ideas. Yes. Right? And yes. creativity begets creativity. Yep. So I don't want you to keep that bottled up and say, no, 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 I'm not going to think about that. I want you to empty it out because at the end of that, you're going to, you might have come up with two or three good ideas for your core product. I don't want you to start working on it yet necessarily, right? I don't want you to get distracted. We've talked about that before. A lot of times don't get distracted from your core, uh, uh, uh you know, motivation, but uh, but, but, but don't ignore it either. Just set up a second sketchbook that you can grab when this stuff comes to mind. And as, as well as, you know, not only storyline ideas and stuff like that, but it sounds like you're also thinking about things like, how would I market this? How would I build the Patreon tiers? Yep. Jot that stuff down too, but keep it separate and, and, and let that creativity float, let it, let it fly. And I think you're going to find 
that what happens is both of these things uh, uh, kind of kind of uh, come up in a rising tide that lifts all boats. And uh, and it's going to help feed your creativity for your main project as well. What do you think about having a second sketchbook, Dave? I, I, I have to tell you, I've known you for uh, decades now, and I love it, though. Even I'm, I'm continually surprised. I love it when our answers are virtually identical because yeah. this was the exact answer I was going to give. And so my my main thing here is I'm just going to underline all the great <laughs> advice Brad just had, because um, I, I like Brad, I think creativity begets creativity. And in a yeah. weird sort of way, something not great happens when you try to bottle up ideas or bottle up creativity or try to suppress it, I guess is another way of saying it. Yeah. Um, and so for whatever reason, and who knows why, sometimes our brains want to work on another idea because yeah. it's a problem they want to solve. You know, like it, 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 creativity is in some respects a problem that's being solved. Like, how could this yes. story resolve itself? How could these characters find the arc that's satisfying? It's a problem that your brain is working through. And so like Brad, I would say, don't be distracted by the shiny object, i.e. make sure you're still doing the work required for your other project. But capture it because part of your brain keeping working on it is it's saying you didn't write this down. I, I'm coming. We're thinking yep. about it again tonight yep. because you didn't write it down. I don't want you to forget this. And and so you're you're literally trying to tell yourself something like, hey, hey capture this idea. Get this down. Yes. And yes. I will tell you as a friend that I have on my computer maybe four or five semi fleshed out projects that in an ideal world, if I had like a manga system in my studio of like five assistants, I would probably be working on a bunch of stuff, but I'm not. So I can't and I won't. But I have them. I have the ideas captured because I hope to have another 30 years of cartooning ahead of me. And hopefully those projects will find their time. Or if not, at least at the very least, I captured a fun idea. I have it in there yeah. and, it, and it kept the wheels going of creativity. Um, and Brad, what do you mean? Because maybe it's worth explaining. What do you mean when you say ideas beget ideas or when I said creativity begets creativity? What do we think oh, we mean by that? So many times, I, I, so many times I get great ideas for Evil Inc. while I'm trying to come up with uh, something for like a single panel comic that I do for Patreon, right? Yeah. Or yeah. I'll, I'll get great ideas for After Dark while I'm working on this other thing, right? And it's like, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going full steam ahead on this one thing and all of a sudden, it's all like a chain reaction. This happens, that happens, this, it's like dominoes. And then all of a sudden you get this weird little offshoot and it's like, oh yeah, I could do that. And it's like, oh, that's not good for, for this thing that I'm working on, but it would be good over here, yeah, right? Yeah. So it, 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 creativity is very rarely a straight line that you just go, I'm going to do this now, and you go straight towards that thing. If your brain is anything like mine, creativity is, is a very wavy, crooked, uh, jagged line that goes all over the place. Uh, but and, and, and it feels like a lot of that is wasted time, uh, uh, but when you take in mind that it you need to start there to get to the other place uh it, it, nothing is wasted and then all these other tangents and ideas and, and offshoots that come from that it's all stuff that you can you can use somewhere yeah uh, yep. the, the, yeah so so it's like so it, that's that's the, the, the important thing is to capture it put it someplace uh, again, don't get distracted by it because it's it's very easy to get distracted by it and say, oh, I'm going to start this other project now. I've got all these great ideas. Hold up. Now, one thing that you got to remember is that it's very, very, in all likelihood, you're going to be creating for decades. Yes. It yes. feels like you got to do it all this year, right? 
but you're going to be creating in one format or another for decades. You've got a lifetime of creativity in front of you. It doesn't all have to get done today. In fact, having, having done this for a long time, Dave and I can both tell you every now and again, you're going to be in a place where you feel your brain is like a desert. And you, there's, you could, you could drop a seed there. Nothing's going to grow. Yep. There's yep. just yep. nothing go. I had another period of time like that just last week where I was banging my head against the door, trying to come with one single panel gag, just, yep. just yep. a gag, just one dumb joke. Uh, and, uh, it is, it feels like your brain is a wasteland. You're going to appreciate future. You is going to thank you for having that second sketchbook because that's where you turn to and you start flipping through it and go oh look at all these ideas that i had yes Not this yeah. might work yeah. that might work so you're you're actually uh building resources against future writer's block because you've got all this stuff down that you're not using right away uh it's it's a tremendous resource and some ideas and i'm sure this has happened to you brad some ideas that i've developed for other projects either uh, fully realized or, you know, potential future projects. I ended up rolling into Sheldon or drive yes. like the, the idea yes. itself. Does that, you know what I mean? Yep. Like not, not like some way of marketing or some way of branding or something. I'm talking about the idea itself, the storyline itself, the wrinkle itself, the, the core concept. I rolled yeah. into drive and I rolled into Sheldon. Like I had a whole uh, separate mini comic that I was going to do about artificial life um in in a, a sci-fi story i just ended up rolling it into drive and so it's yeah. a whole it's a whole backstory of how why there's no robots in the world of drive and uh and it was really satisfying for me i got the idea out of the world and it it added three more pages to the story great that's fine lovely i loved it you know that kind of yeah. thing so uh, what i'm what brad's saying is we want creativity to be like a, a a hose that you turn on and water instantly right. flows out of, right? Yep. You turn it off, the water turns off. Unfortunately, creativity is more like one of those mall fountains where the water squirts in an arc and then lands over there. And sometimes yeah. there's other little bubbly things that squirt in the middle. And then there's like, yeah. you know, a little sprinkly water, like, you know, those weird fountains that they started putting in in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. kind of what creativity is. You never know where the water's going to come from. So capture it when you can, because yeah. it's, it's, it is a resource. That, and by the way, the more you capture, the more you get. It's a weird sort of thing. It's not unlike love is that the more you give, the more you get. Creativity, the more you express, sometimes the more you 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 continue to generate. So. Um, yeah. anyway, this is a, this is a good problem to have, I think though. And it also maybe is an indication that you're on the right path. So take that, uh, for what it's worth is that you're doing the thing that your brain wants you to be doing because it's generating even more ideas. So comics right. are definitely the right path for you because you are finding not only joy in it, you're finding continuing and new ideas with it. So best of luck as you go down that path. So Dave, I've got a great question, uh, for, for both that, that I think both of us can really sink our teeth into, uh, uh, frankly, it's one of my favorite topics. This one comes in from Martin who said, if, and, and Martin's over in Sweden, by the way, this is an international show so far today. Uh, this, uh, this comes in from Martin who says, as someone who dreams of one day leaving my current day job and going full time as a comic creator, I would love to hear the stories about when you guys took the step of quitting your day jobs to pursue cartooning full time. Mm. Did you have a long term plan for how to achieve it? And what factors made you decide when to do it? So that comes in from Martin. Dave, what was it like and, and what led up to your leaving your day job? 
Martin, this is a fun question. We this is one that, in all honesty, we do answer every couple of years, but we we love to do it because it's a it's a fun one to talk about. So both Brad and I, I will answer for Brad in this first part. Both Brad and I, as kids, knew we wanted to be cartoonists. We grew up loving yeah. um, American comic strips and, to a lesser extent, American comic books, and we knew that's what we wanted to do. But we knew as we got out of college and into the corporate world that we needed to pay the bills for a while. And as is, you know, the standard. And so we both took yeah. jobs. Brad went down the newspaper path. I initially went down the magazine editing path and then ended up at Mattel. And both of us, roughly, Brad, when you say about a decade afterward, we're trying to get out to go become cartoonists. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so the one caveat that I will say uh, right off the bat before we launch into our stories, you don't have to not have a day job to be doing professional and pro level comics work. Yeah. Um, so if this following description of how we did it doesn't fit your life and your family's needs, don't feel bad about yourself is what I'm saying. Yeah. For a whole bunch of reasons of either health insurance or a certain amount of income or, you know, kids needing support or broader family needing support or whatever reason, if you can't leave your day job, that's OK, too. You can still produce amazing work on nights and weekends. Um, OK, so just that caveat out of the way. Yeah. Um, I knew I wanted to leave Mattel because even though I loved the job, I loved being a toy designer and creator and I loved writing for toys and I loved all of that. It was it was if cartooning never existed, it would have been a great job for decades and decades. I loved it. But cartooning was my passion. I wanted to do it. So uh, for a, a good five, six, seven years there, I did nights and weekends and I would do like 40 hours a week in cartooning separate from my 40 hour a week uh, day job at Mattel. And I was producing, I think, seven days of Sheldon a week, which uh, including a color Sunday, which was a lot for me at that time. Yeah. And with the technology I had at hand. So um, uh, it was a lot of work, but I, I knew that I wanted to do it. So my wife and I more sort of made a plan where we would build up six months of a nest egg savings. And by what that means is if, if I had zero income, those six months could cover six months of living uh, with the, the money I had banked. Right. So every month I would add in a, another 50 bucks, another hundred bucks, another 200 bucks here and slowly build up that bank account so that it had six months of savings. It was not easy to get to. It took me a couple yeah. of years, many years, actually, um, because every once in a while it's like, Oh, I need a new transmission. Well, there we go. Oh, I, yeah, I, there I, it goes. I broke some, I broke something really important. There goes another 500 bucks. So it's yeah. not like it's an overnight thing. You got to plan for it well in advance. But anyway, so I did that because I didn't, I, I, I trusted myself, but I didn't trust the wider world to not throw something at me if as soon as I left my day job, you know, so yeah. I, I had to have that backup savings. And then um, I got myself to the point where Sheldon, because drive didn't exist at that point, Sheldon had replaced 70 percent of my Mattel income, uh, meaning if I made one hundred dollars at Mattel, I was making seventy dollars uh, on Sheldon. And so my wife looked at me and she's like, look, you're you're doing this on nights and weekends. I think now she trusted me more than I trusted me. She said, I think now is the time for you to pull the trigger and put in your notice and imagine what you could do with 50 hours a week on Sheldon or, you know, 60 hours a week, whatever, whatever math you want to look at. And and I think you would just be so happier. And this is what you've been working towards. So I did it. And um it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but uh, because we had also just bought a house and I think uh, we were we were about to be pregnant with our first child. So it was a terrifying kind of year and a half there. 
of like, oh boy, I got to get two books out a year. And I did that for a while. I did two Sheldon books a year because uh, that was the way back then. Anyway, Patreon did not exist. Kickstarter did not exist. I had to do two books a year to make a living. And I had to do a lot of Comic-Cons. So I remember I went to, I don't know, there was a year where I did like 12 Comic-Cons. It was a bonkers year. It was was too many. Anyway, all that thing being said, I planned ahead as well as I could. I, I thankfully, um, and this is not true for everyone, I thankfully had a good support network and a wife that was supportive of me. And, um, and then I pulled the trigger after a lot of planning and building up the income. So that was my journey. Brad, how about you? Yeah. What was your journey? Oh, so, so similar in so many different ways. And, and, and I'm just, I'm going to start the same way you did. And, and to just remind people that uh, it's, it, having a day job does not make you not genuine. Right. It doesn't take away from your genuineness as a comics creator. It doesn't take away from your authenticity, uh, from your validness. Uh, and I, I needed somebody to explain that to me because uh, near the end, particularly quitting my day job became an obsession with me. Right. Like I, there was nothing I could think of other than quitting my day job. Uh, and, and it was it, and it was really starting to kind of uh, put a strain on my own physical health and my mental health. Cause it was, I was very, as you might imagine, very single sighted. This was again, like Dave said, I, being a cartoonist was the only thing I ever wanted. Right. 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 And, uh, and, and this very idea of being a newspaper artist, uh, was in, in service of being a comic strip artist at that time. Right. And, uh, I had a same, same kind of informal deal where I said, uh, if I make about the same amount of money in comics that I'm making at the newspaper, then that's going to be my signal that it's time to quit my day job. And we had two kids at that time. And at that point, the economic reality smacked me in the face because when I made that plan, uh, it, it sounded perfectly, it doesn't sound reasonable. Once I can replace this income. But then uh, then then, uh, did you have this mental wrinkle too? You forgot that like, oh yeah, but I'm about to be taking away half of that income. So like, yeah. yeah. So it's it's not like I wasn't using that money all this time. We were using the hell out of that money. What I was actually saying is, is that when I leave my day job, my, uh, my economic input to the family is going to go from, from, uh, to 50% of what it is right now. Right. Right, I'm going to, I'm going to cut in half my contribution to the family. That wasn't as easy to do. (laughs) Right. Nobody wanted to take that, uh, take that risk. Uh, at least of all me at that point, uh, it, 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 I wanted to, but I, you, you couldn't justify it. You know, so right, right. Uh, so I went on continuing to build whatever I could in comics and and wait. And finally, for me, I was pushed into it. The uh, the newspaper industry had been had been faltering for a long time, and uh, it, they at 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 one point they were going to cut one person from every department in the newsroom. And even though I had been there for twelve or thirteen years. Uh, I was the the low man on on the roster and I was going to get caught one way or the other. I was going to get cut. So I took the buyout and uh, that was the equivalent. I don't know that that was the equivalent of six months, but I kind of in a lump sum, I had my starter money. It disappeared 
way faster than I thought it would. Uh, because right around the same time, I had about a year of things going kind of smoothly. Uh, and then uh, people discovered ad blockers oh, and yeah. my entire business, everything that I had built for the last 12 years uh, disappeared in front of my face because my my ad revenue just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And I I knew ad blockers were out there, but I just I, I, I didn't realize for a long time how big of a uh, bite it was taking out of my bottom line. And I, I thought, well, I just need more traffic that I can fix this. I just need more traffic. Right, and right. Uh, you know, no matter what I did, I just couldn't offset uh, what ad blockers were doing to my business. Uh, and at that point in 2013, if you would have offered me my day job back, I would have probably taken it at that point. You know, at that point, it was it was pretty it was dire there. Yeah, at yeah. that point. Yeah. I remember that your nervousness got got really oh. strong because our businesses at that point were slightly different in that and how we structured it. And you were far more reliant on on ad money than I think oh, yeah. I was. And I think it, it and rightly so it terrified you because Patreon didn't quite yet exist as a going concern. No. I think there were maybe some nebulous inklings that it might start soon, but we didn't know that it was going to be a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, th another thing that I just remembered as Brad was relating his excellent backstory was one thing that I did that I actually would strongly recommend is separate from building up your emergency fund, your six months emergency fund. Um, one thing you can do is once you start building up your your income, like in my case, Sheldon was bringing in 70 percent of my um, Mattel income and Brad was bringing in what you say about 100 percent of your when the, by the time you stepped away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Without so Brad's evil link money was was had had replaced uh, his his money from the newspaper. One thing that I would do is if if you're in my case and you were only at seventy percent, here's a great 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 strategy: live off just that seventy percent for the yeah. months that you're yeah. going before you make this switch. Because first of all, it'll teach you where the pain points are on your expenditures. What can we mm -hmm. cut? What do we absolutely not able to cut? Um, so you'll see what the pain points are. You'll also bank more money in the three months leading up to before you lose the job. That's also great. Yeah. It goes right into that emergency fund. And then yeah. also you'll see like just how tight the the frustration, nervousness, anxiety makes your chest feel mm -hmm. if by living off just that 70 percent. You get sort of a taste in a way that's still safe. You know, it's oh, like yeah. putting one toe out on the on the high wire line without fully going all the way out. Yet. You're like, how nervous will yeah. I be? And so it gives you a taste without truly uh, putting you in jeopardy of like, do I want to do this? Um, and uh, I'm trying to think, Brett, do we have any other tips for what we did in that time period that I or, or things uh -huh. that you wish you would have done? <laughs> well, no, I, I, I don't know that I have any tips other than uh, to, again, not let don't do what I did was let this turn into an all consuming obsession. Right. Like I had. To quit my day job. I did not feel like an actual cartoonist until I quit my day job. Well, also and, you, and, you hated your, I remember you hated your day oh, job at that point. Yeah. So by the end, like, man, I was, I was, I was loathing going into that place. It was, it was really, so I it think was really, I, I say this as a friend, I think you were kind of projecting like, Oh, cartooning is the Nirvana. 
and my yeah. day job is the hell. Like, yeah. so it became this contrast thing of like, I hate going into this job every day. And also cartooning would be wonderful. Whereas I think I had more the, oh, the day job is lovely, but cartooning would be lovely too. And right. But both of them generated what's interesting. Both of them uh, got us to the place where we, we still wanted to walk away and do cartooning. Um, yeah. But you all constantly talk about how it became almost a mania for you to get out of that job. Yeah. What do you, I did what not, do you I, mean by that? Like you. I did not think that I was authentic, valid or any of those things because I had the day job. And so and and so I, again, just to open up my brain and show you how it works in there. I was convinced that once I made the announcement that I had left my day job, everything was going to change. People were going to take me more seriously. People would see me walking down the street and, you know, salute me and throw rose petals at my feet. You know, I, <laughs> I really did think that everything was going to change. Right. And right. I still remember it. I, uh, I, I made I, I made the announcement uh, in the week coming up to Emerald City Comic Con. I, uh, I, I had my, my last day at work on that Thursday, got on the plane Friday landed came into emerald city uh at the the convention center out there in seattle walked in the doors ready for my hero's welcome <laughs> and i was still the same jackass that i had been the year before i was just 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 no it no different right nice. i mean listen there was a lot of people very especially you know other cartoonists uh, at the uh, pro and the or in the pro am and the amateur level coming up and saying very nice things hey congratulations so on and so forth this it's not like 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 my friends were really supportive of this people right. in the know right uh that was never a question but as far as civilians readers potential readers uh treating me the way that i in my blindness thought that i was going to get treated that didn't happen Right. No, nobody cared. And, right, and, and, right. and, and because I had made this into a mania, because I'd made this into an obsession, quitting my day job became the finish line. If I can reach that finish line, uh, I win. That's my finish line. That's the goal over there. I'm running towards the goal. And the fact of the matter is it was not the finish line. It was the starter's pistol. Because now I've got to run twice as hard as I ever ran before just to keep this thing going, just to make sure that I don't have to go back and take another day job, right? right, right. Uh, it was not the finish line. It was the starter's pistol. I had to really start working then. And at that point, not only was I working twice as hard, you know, they always say you work, if you work for yourself, you, know, you work twice as hard as you would for anybody else. Well, that is the truth. Part of it is because that's where your heart is. Part of it is because that's what the necessity is. Yeah, you you yeah. got to work that hard. And None of the bravado, none of the of the you know uh, cheering, and and none of the the world didn't change. Dave, it was still the same world. I was still the same schmuck. I was just working twice as hard as I used to, and uh, and it was disillusioning to, in, in yeah. the first uh, few months. Because for our readers' perspective. They're pointing to that evil link of the day before you left the day job and the and the Sheldon on the day after we left the day job. And they go, yeah, show me where the line art is different. Yeah. Show show yeah. me how the joke construction is different. Oh, the characters all the same. You entertain them before you left the day job. You entertain them after you leave the day job. And yeah. so 
Am I happy that I did it? Oh my God, yes, I love it. It's one of the greatest things that I've ever done. And, and my, like, I will never be remembered as a great cartoonist, but I, yeah. I will love the fact that I had a career for decades and decades. To me, that is the achievement, is that yeah. I, I got to do what I love and I made a living at it and I supported a family and uh, like I'm not I'm not burning up the the awards circuit or or burning up the sales charts or or going to go down in history as as the world's greatest cartoonist. But I built a career of it, so that I'm very proud of. But the thing is, I could have built a very 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 happy life staying yeah. as a, car, a, a toy designer with Mattel and doing nights and weekends cartooning. That also would have been a lovely life. You know, life can can put you down many paths, all of which can bring you joy if you find it. And so. Um, I, I say that only to balance out what can be an overwhelming drive to become a, a real serious Pinocchio-like grown-up boy. You know, yes. I'm going to be a real boy if I become a cartoonist. Um, whereas uh, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um, so the things that I would recommend that you do not do, um, don't suddenly pull the trigger on leaving your day job. Have a plan. You've yes. got to have some kind yes. of a plan. Don't not have emergency funds. You will need them. You will burn through them faster than you think. Um, don't not have a sense of what your budget is. How much money do you need coming in? How much money do you flow out every month? Um, yeah. And then and then don't do it without planning ahead. And I think maybe doing that trial period of living off just your cartooning income for one, three, six months before you pull the trigger is a great idea. Brad, any other ideas about what you should not do before you before you make a move like this? Yeah, don't put all your self-esteem into this because you will literally be fighting a, a losing battle. Uh, it's yeah. it's a battle of self of who you are as a person and as an artist. Uh, yeah, don't put your self-esteem into this. You, if you are right now listening to this show and you're a cartoonist, you're putting stuff out in the world, and you've got a day job, I'm here to tell you unequivocally, you are a valid cartoonist. You're you're doing everything that that person that you idolize is doing. Only you you maybe got a little bit better safety net. You're you're maybe doing it in less time. It may not be the thing that you envisioned in your head, but you are just as valid as anybody else. Having that day job doesn't take anything away from you. Uh, and and I, I mean, listen, and, and it never will. You are valid. You're a, you're a, you're a cartoonist. And, and this thing that you think is going to happen when you become a full-time cartoonist, uh, it ain't there. It's going to be exactly the way it is right now. So uh, make peace with that now. Uh, you, you win if you make peace with that now. You can still work towards becoming a full-time cartoonist. That's mm -hmm. a good, worthy, valid goal. Uh, it's a, that's a challenge of a lifetime. And I, 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 I think you can do it. If, and I, I think it's possible. but. In the meantime, don't beat yourself up like I did. All, all that gave me was ulcers and sleepless nights. It, it didn't do a goddamn thing for me. It didn't get me there faster. It didn't give me more drive. Uh, it just, it just, it just made me miserable. <laughs> so be nicer to yourself than I was to me. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. 
No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. All right, Brad, well, an update for the show for everybody. This, uh, If everyone can remember, I said that uh, while I did not love at all and quite frankly hated the business model of generative AI yeah. where they had lifted millions and millions and millions of all of our work, um, my, my stuff included, uh, scraping it from the Internet. Uh, I wanted I was curious to try out AI in my ideation process, mainly in my sketching and my layout process to see what it could do. Right. So I, I ended up I because I had to buy it at the end of the, the financial year. I got a new Mac studio, which is like the Mac mini. That's the big one. And then I put Diffusion B on it, which is the AI that can live on a Mac and um and generate stuff for you and i was like here's what i'm gonna do brad oh brad i'm gonna i'm gonna say like hey i want four different ways that i could draw a small this was literally the prompt i put in a small round bird sitting on a telephone wire i just like to see from different camera angles what would be the cutest like it just i could i could google image that no problem but i'm curious what the ai would produce Brad, it produced absolute bullshit that was unusable. I tried, (laughs) I spent more time trying to get the damn thing to generate something that even looked like a bird on a telephone wire. Never mind different cute camera angles. By the way, by the way, as an artist of 20 plus years, I knew what I wanted. I sketched out within seconds of of putting the actual pen to to the page. I knew what I wanted, but I was yeah. like, I'm curious to see what the AI would give me. It didn't yeah. give me shit for what I could use. I'm sorry to get cussy, but I I was like, this was a waste of time. This whole thing was a waste of time. <laughs> I sketched faster. What? So listen, yes. is it going to get better? Yes. Is it going to get more intuitively easy to use in a process? Yes. Am I going to keep giving you updates as to what you can do with it? Yes. As of right now, though, I'm telling you, as a trained professional art and a trained, as, a, as an artist of many decades... Uh, who kind of knows what he's doing. I knew within seconds the angle that I wanted, the type of bird that I wanted. My mind's eye had it already ready for me. Yeah, yeah, because you're an artist. Because you're an artist. Because you know how to draw. Here's the thing. If you weren't, if you hadn't bothered to learn how to draw, if you weren't an artist, you would have put those prompts in and you would have been happy with it because you wouldn't have known the difference. Yes. That's the problem. That's the real problem is that there's people putting these prompts in saying, and, and because it looks like a thing, and because they don't have any uh, like uh, uh, ability to visually ideate, like they're not visual thinkers. Yep. Since they got something that looks like a thing, they're freaking thrilled. Ah, take a look at this. I got a thing that looks like a thing. <laughs> Good for you. I'll be over here drawing. <laughs> if, if you don't mind, I'll be. No, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that I'm not surprised to hear what you've got to say. Okay, separately. So that was for Sheldon. Separately yeah. for Drive, I was like, okay, I'm going to use uh, AI to just get some ideas. I want to draw a space station, a space station, right. right? Yeah. That looks like 1950s, 1960s Soviet brutalism, right? That was in my mind's yeah. eye. I want something that looks chunky, that looks menacing, that looks, but a set in space, right? And so I yeah. typed in 40 different versions of this prompt of like space station, deep space. 
you know, Soviet brutalism, probably Romania, 1950s, 1960s. Uh, and like, you know, I, I really want a brutalism. It came out with bullshit, straight up bullshit that all looked like the ISS. And I was like, I, this is not what I want. This is not what I need. I wanted ideas to help me just sketch out. By the way, within 10, 15 minutes, I had a lot of cool sketches for Soviet yeah. brutalism looking space stations that I could work in to drive. I, I, anyway, what I'm saying is as of right now, do I still fear it? Yes. Do I still yeah. kind of dislike the, 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 the idea of people generating AI and not using me as an artist? Yes. Do yes. I absolutely hate the fact that they stole our art? Yes. But I do, I have an inkling of thinking like maybe this will one day be helpful in our process for trained artists to ideate. Yeah. I'm just saying as the update right now, no, it's not helpful. It was not helpful at all. <laughs> it was, it was, in fact, I lost time. I lost time doing it. So yeah. that's where I stand on that. Yeah. Well, I, um, I'm glad to hear that update. And now have you used it for writing yet? Have you used any of these, uh, uh, AI implements to help it with the ideation process. Well, you know, what's funny because everyone who's listened to Brad and I do writer's room on pro tips, yeah. which by the way, if you join us over at patreon.com slash comic club, I always like to get the cell in there. Um, yeah. We do writer's room where Brad and I will, will pitch and, and refine and edit one another's ideas. Um, you'll know that oftentimes we spend the bulk of the time, like probably 60, 70, 80% of the time, just on the punchline, sometimes just on the punch word, of the comic, right? That we're writing yeah, in, yeah. in that writer's room. So what I did is I tried uh, chat GPT 3.0 or 3.5. I don't remember what I was using just to help me refine the punchline. Brad, I know that everyone uh, whimsically says, oh, chat GPT 3.5 can do humor. Okay, yeah, broadly, in the sense of like dad jokes from Minnesota from 1950, it can do humor. Yeah. I tried to get it to help me refine a joke. It was a fucking useless. It didn't do a damn thing <laughs> in terms of even <laughs> pitching uh, alternates that were within the realm of humor. So it's just not there yet for what yeah. you or I would use it for. Yeah. Or ideas, yeah, I, I think you know, it's going to get, I'm, I'm telling you, I think somebody's going to come out with something that purportedly is written by uh, an AI writing uh, prompter. And I think what they're going to get, it's going to be, like I said in my predictions, it's going to be a humor comic and it's going to get a lot of mileage off of LOL, that's so random, right? Right, If, right. if you would have put this out uh, and said uh, that a person wrote it, they, you'd say, no, nah, that's not very funny. But since an AI wrote it, it's got that whole thing behind it. And it's going to be LOL, that's so random. And we're going to have to put up with it for about a year, year and a half uh, until the, the newness finally uh, wears off of it. Yeah, it'll have the same kind of life cycle that that comic had four or five years ago. Uh, the cop story that was written by an eight-year-old. Remember that one? Yes, what was that? yes. Axe Cop. Axe Cop, yeah. Where yep. it was a lot of oh, LOL, that's so random, where all of a sudden Axe Cop's partner was a T-Rex or whatever it was. And, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, when chatbot writes a comic, it's going to a little bit feel like that. We're like, oh, that's crazy. Look at that. Now the, ah, you know, yeah, oh, that computer wrote that. That's, yeah, I'll that's be darned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you know? All right. And then it'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll have the same life cycle of two or three years and then, and then it will fade away. Um, yeah. so, uh, all right, Brad, well, let's jump into the question. The last question I think for this week, and yeah. this comes in, um, from Fenris over at patreon.com slash comic grab, comic grab. Uh, that's I'm the new show. Grab. We've just officially changed the name. <laughs> Here's the question, Brad, let's say your partner who has managed to become a fairly successful indie author launched a Patreon and is immediately pretty successful <laughs> at it. 
That's meanwhile, very bad manners. <laughs> very bad manners indeed. <laughs> meanwhile, your own comic has a very mediocre audience, makes no money, even though it takes a lot of time. Would you ditch your own personal project to hitch your cart fully to your partner's already successful endeavor, i.e. making art, comics, and social media content for them? Or would you keep trucking along, hoping one day it takes off somewhat? Brad, what do you think? Which route would you pick there? This is a no brainer to me. This is this is this is advice that we've given for a long time, just in a different uh, suit of clothes. Never work with your partner. Do not because listen, you've got this person in your life and they love you for who you are and you love them. And uh, fantastic. The last thing you want is to work with them. I, 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 I don't know of too many cases where that actually works out well, because in working with them, all of a sudden, 110 things are going to come up. And this person's going to look at this thing that you've drawn and, and, and start saying, well, no, that's not good. Change this, this, and the other thing. And you're going to start to resent that person. You, and also, if, if, if not only don't work with your partner, but uh, if, you, if you give up on your own thing and say, well, this isn't working out for me, I'm going to go over here and do this other thing now, uh, under your partner, uh, and it is going to be your, there's going to be a, a hierarchy there. Uh, you're going to also lose a lot of self-respect and, and you're going to start to build resentment towards this person, uh, that you love. Uh, mm-hmm. this is a mm-hmm. horrible, horrible, horrible idea. Do not go that direction. Uh, I, 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 I mean, it's a disaster waiting to happen, which is one thing if it's a disaster and it's like, oh, I can't work on this comic anymore. It's another thing when your marriage uh, is directly impacted by a lot of these exterior emotions that are going to come in and 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 enter the marriage. Uh, run, do not walk away from this idea of working with your partner. Uh, it's 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 a disaster waiting to happen. Well, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Brad because in my own marriage of between two creatives, uh, we, we do not work together on projects. Um, we have, but we don't right now. Um, but I, I will couch it somewhat because I feel like as a friend listening to my friend talk, um, I, there's, there is a little softening can be had there. Can you work with a partner? Yes. I know Phil and Kaja Folio do amazing work with Girl Genius together. I know, what was it called? ElfQuest? Didn't the Pinnies work on that together? Yep, Pinny, yep, I, yep. Uh, um, so, and then there's other projects that we could all think of if we had five more minutes where people did find success working together with their uh, romantic or life partner and, um, and so found success. So is it possible? Yes. So that's the only couching that I want to do with that. But I would, yeah. I would still land with Brad that part of this is um uh the pain that we all have and i'm not necessarily saying i don't do it of just comparing yourself to others and in this case the other that you're comparing yourself to lives in the house with you and so that's that's a particular pain because um i i won't put words into brad's mouth i compare every success brad has ever had with me and i feel bad about myself you know um i love my friend i love my friend and i'm so happy for all his successes if brad has a success 
I feel bad about myself. I'm just being yep. honest about that, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, Brad's win is not necessarily my win. Sometimes I'm like, oh, great, Brad, that's fantastic. Good for you. God damn it. Why, why am I a failure? <laughs> why him? You know, why I, him? I, I, I hang up on the phone. I'm like, why? Does the world not think Dave Kellett's beautiful as yeah. well? Sadness, you know? <laughs> and so, um, so we all do it, but... Older me is advising younger me and, and in part also advising you, like, try when you can to not compare your journey to other people. Yeah. Because if if your work that you admit takes a lot of work and um, doesn't bring in a lot of money and has a mediocre audience so far, the question you didn't answer there or the statement that you didn't make, does it bring you joy? Are you having fun making it? Yeah. Are you happy with the progress you're making with it? Do you want to keep telling the story or do you want to keep working on it? You didn't mention any of that, which I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth and say it's one way or the other, but a part of me feels like you're listing these out because maybe you're not having fun or maybe yeah. uh, or it could also be where you are having tremendous fun, but the response that the world is giving to it has kind of killed your mood for it. In the yeah. way that like, you know, you're you're trying to be the life of the party and no one has it. And so you're like, well, fine, I'll leave the party. Um, yeah. Brad, any thoughts on that about like why we oh. didn't hear whether or not they're enjoying it? I could write a volume on what we didn't hear. Here's another thing we what we didn't hear. We didn't hear that the partner wants this. Oh, we yeah. didn't hear. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Oh, wow, we didn't hear. True. We didn't that's hear. True. We didn't hear. My partner is desperate to have a comic written of their stuff. We didn't. We didn't hear that the partner wants this. We hear that maybe it was suggested, and the partner said, mm, "Okay, right." <laughs> but but we didn't hear that the partner wants this. And here's something else we didn't hear. We didn't hear that the partner's audience is desperate to get a comic written on what this. Uh, well, I'm assuming it's or, prose or even if uh, they don't, even if it's not a comic, Brad, if I can just jump in, yeah. they built this indie author thing by themselves. Yeah. They might, they remember they did it by themselves. They might not yeah. want anybody separate from a comic. They just might, you know? Yeah. What happens when the audience says this ain't what we want? We don't yeah. like this. We don't want this. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. What happens when not, what happens when you, your partners in the position of choosing between their audience and you, well, that's yeah, a decision yeah, that's not, that nobody could. There's a lot that we didn't hear. And by the way, it could, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, uh, uh, boisterous and everything, but it very well may be that the partner actually wants this, that they actually, they're like, oh, this would be great and everything. Uh, that, that, that is on the table. That's, that's possible. But we didn't, we, it, we didn't hear that part of it. And, and that's, that's a danger zone for me because there, like I said, in, in, in so many different ways, there's so many different places this thing goes off the rails and 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 your marriage takes shrapnel as a result. Uh, so, yeah, I, <laughs> you do not want to, you, uh, to put your partner in, in, in the position of choosing between their audience that they built and your comic. Yeah. And I will say if it's if it's an income thing where you're it's fairly easy to um, conflate uh, emotional, romantic, financial housekeeping, all of that into one big bucket, when in yeah. fact, they're somewhat separate buckets. And so um, if you're feeling like your partner is carrying 90% of the load and you're carrying 10, that's something that you have to examine separate from a creative thing. Because by the way, not every moment in a relationship is 50-50. Sometimes yeah. 
my wife has been 90 and I've been 10. Sometimes I've been 90 and she's been 10. Yeah. Um, that, that point in our, when I earlier, when, we, when I was talking about uh, buying a house, my wife didn't have a job for two or three years there when we bought our first house. Um, yeah. and so, uh, but you look at our careers now, my wife far outstrips me yeah. far, far outstrips my success. And I'm so proud of her and, and, and happy for her. Um, but what I'm getting at there is that you're never hundred percent 50, 50. That's okay too. It's a, yeah. relationships like a roller coaster. There's going to be ups and downs for both of you career wise. Remember that it's kind of a separate bucket, the romantic partner bucket and the financial bucket. They they touch one another, but they're not necessarily commingling, you know? Yeah. Brad's value as a friend is not necessarily an economic value to me. Like those are separate things to me, um, uh, is what I'm getting at. So I just want I want you to be careful about saying, or cause I I can kind of read between the lines that you're feeling less than not yeah. only creatively, but maybe financially in this front. Um, and so part of it is finding, uh, between yourselves, a balance of, I, I, I'll, let me, let me put it this way, Brad, my wife and I had a metaphor that we used to use of together as creatives in the world, we were cliff climbers or mountain climbers. Yeah. yeah. And one of us would scramble up ahead, right? Get a little bit higher up the cliff face. And then we would spike in, tink, 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 tink. And that one would lock down, right? And then the other one would start taking creative risks again. And for yeah. three or four years, the other one would try to clamor up. And frankly, what would yeah. happen is they would get a little higher and then they would spike in, tink, 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 tink. And then the yeah. other one would take financial risks and, and creative risks again. And it's yes. just a metaphor that my wife and I had that were it was really helpful to visualize how two people working in very different but creative industries could give one another the leeway to take risks and also to take the time that it needed to build on that risk and then still be a contributing member of the partnership. So yeah. Um, anyway, I, I've, I've been talking too long, Brad, you had more thoughts on it. I've only got one thing to say about this and it is this tink, 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 tink. This is where we've got to spike in for another week. Don't worry. We'll be back next week, scampering up that rope. But at this point in time, <laughs> this is where we got to spike in and say that you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my friend, Brad Geiger, who I would climb any mountain swim any sea <laughs> run across any plane with the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of evil inc at evil-comic.com and my good close personal friend dave kellett the co-director of the comics documentary stripped and the cartoonist of sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and drive at drivecomic.com the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And we remind you, keep jumping over there to Spotify and giving us those five-star reviews. We are absolutely tearing it up on Spotify. We couldn't be happier about that. And it's mainly thanks to you folks going over there and giving us those five-star reviews. Thank you for keeping us up there on top. Amen. And I will say Comic Lab is made possible by your support on Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So I will go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab.
So Brad, after this episode, the storyteller in me wants this episode to fade away, fade to black and then fade back in. But it's Brad Geiger sitting by a lake with a little straw hat on, a little bit of straw on his teeth, got a fishing pole in one hand, and maybe there's a little sketch pad in his lap. And he Catching goes, bluegills and, yeah. and, and filleting them up. And, in the, and the camera pulls back to reveal a little cabin. Oh, there's a little fire coming out of the cabin. He's got a little, he's got a little soup warming on the fire in the background there. And you just see, you just see the, the we push in on Brad Geiger's face and it, Brad just goes, that Dave Kellett really did Google map me right. Ha, 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 ha.